And here we go, here we go! Raider Nation. Raider Nation. Welcome to the Silver and Black Hack Podcast. Your home for the most real Raiders takes, predictive stats, and advanced analytics. We bleed silver and black. Here are your hosts, Raider Heart and Raspy Raider. What's happening, Raider Nation? Welcome back to the Silver and Black Hack Podcast. I am your host, Raider Hart. And guys, you're listening to the Raiders Chiefs recap show. It was a wild, wild finish on Monday night, as you can uh, pretty much we've come to expect from the Raiders, all these heart attack games that they continue to play. Lots to talk about in this edition. Uh, There's a lot that the Raiders could actually build on in this game, despite losing... 30 to 29, but there's also some troubling trends that Raspy Raider and I have spotted out that unfortunately are continuing to show their ugly heads, costing us football games. And it will, would it really be a Raider game, a big Raider, especially a nationally televised game guys without its fair share of terrible calls and controversy. This game was no different. Lots to discuss there guys. And of course, We will give you our captains of the week and who is walking the plank. But before we do any of that, guys, we always like to remind you that you can find us on social media. We're inviting all Raider fans, all of Raider Nation to join the discussion, especially on Twitter, guys. You can find us at silver underscore hack. You can find us on Facebook and LinkedIn as well. And for the podcast, you can just go ahead and find us wherever you're currently getting your podcast at right now guys so you can find us on all the major providers we're not hard to find so make sure to like make sure to to share and subscribe join the conversation and spread the word and uh and and help us out as we continue to grow guys and now i want to go ahead and bring in my co-host raspy raider a very disappointed raspy raider obviously i think a lot of us are and Raspy, I don't know what it is about this Raiders team, but they continue to play down to the bad teams. They continue to play up to the good teams. Doesn't really seem to matter if it's Jack Del Rio, if it's Dennis Allen, if it's John Gruden. It doesn't really, you know, Josh McDaniels is the same sort of pattern as starting off, man. You know, how frustrating is it for you to see this team you really don't know what you're going to get week to week. You know, we were kind of all bracing for an embarrassment or a blowout against the Chiefs. And what do you know, Raspy? The Raiders should have won, and we stepped on our own feet and can't get a, can't get out of our own way. That's the stressful part, man, is that you were right. And I don't know, you know, the majority of the nation, how y'all felt, but I felt like it was going to be a rough one. I called it that way on the show. I mean – and then you suck us back in, you know, and you give us hope, man. And we want to be that right there to just, you know, change our own minds and our own outlook. Like, well, maybe, maybe I was wrong, you know, and then you come back down to earth, man. And, and it's frustrating because even with this playing up and down to the competition, we still are sitting here at one and four with all four losses coming at an average of 3.5 points a clip man four losses by a combined 14 points it's it's rough man and that's what happens when you cannot 
put your stamp on anything. And even when you are hanging your hat on something, it's like you can't solidify it at the end and you're left, you know, holding the empty bag at the end, man. It's, it's stressful. It's frustrating as hell. Sorry, Nation. I had to get that off my chest. But what is up? Glad we're here talking again, man. Wish it was under better circumstances. But there, as the heart alluded to, there are some things that have me feeling a little better about, you know, where the the next week or two of things are going to fall out. So we'll see how that goes. But we're here. We're going to dissect. Let's get into it. Yeah, and guys, I know a lot of the discussion after the game, we uh, talked with a, a lot of Raider fans, a lot of you guys after the game on social media, on Raiders Twitter, and, you know, and just talking to everybody out there and just kind of taking the temperature in the room, so to speak, after the game. And it's always difficult right after the game. Emotions are running at their highest. But I know a lot of you guys want to put the lion's share of this loss on the referees, on the calls. This is something that Raspy and I are going to get into a little bit later on. So rest assured, we're going to, there's a lot to, to sink our teeth into when it comes to the, the refereeing, the officiating in this game. It was a national discussion. I do believe it had an impact on this game. But guys, I, I always say the same thing when it comes to the refs. If you allow the, the game to be so that the refs can, change the outcome if it's close enough to do that then you're leaving yourself exposed to something exactly like what happened on Monday night against the Chiefs you have to know that as unfair as it is that the Chiefs and or the the, the officiating rather the league they're going to favor the Chiefs they're the darlings of the league and that's something that you have to earn it frustrates us to no end as Raider fans but you know what? I bet that in the days of I like to say in our father's Raiders of, of those days I bet that they got a lot of the, the preferential calls in the 70s. You know, some of these legendary plays that we've all remember, you know, our, our dads and, and some of the old heads out there talking about over the years. The ball always, everything bounced their way in the Madden era. So that's something that you earn. But it's also something that you allow, Raspy, when you're the Raiders. Because, again, the offense showed, showed a lot of promise in this game. It was actually more encouraging than it was discouraging for me, even though the, the ultimate objective of getting the W was not met. But Raspy, the Raiders jump out to a 17 to nothing lead, uh, running the football with this new identity with absolute authority. Josh Jacobs looks like, you know, the second coming of Earl Campbell or something out there right now for you young fans, you young Raider nation members, look it up. But 21 carries Raspy for a hundred and uh, was it 154 yards? Yes, sir. 7.3, 7.3 a carry, the big touchdown rush. He also added in five catches for 39 yards, Raspy. Why don't you talk a little bit about this new resurgent Raiders run game? I would, I would be remiss if I didn't mention this often doubted, much maligned offensive line that has found a whole new identity over the last two, three weeks with this physical run attack. Why don't you say a little bit about this new reborn Josh Jacobs, this new Raider identity, this physical running attack that's been so effective over the last few weeks? Yeah, man, before I do on that one, I know you were saying as far as the, you know, don't don't leave it in the hands of the refs, but it is so hard in today's league, man, with the teams that we're dealing with. So it's like you, you stay in a close game. You're hoping things are going to get called right. I get it. Some things maybe went, you know, the Chiefs 
against the Chiefs. You know, everybody was bitching about the Chris Jones call and all. I get it, man. Whatever, man. We don't get those. I don't want to hear that. That stuff happens all the damn time. But it's tough when you're just trying to stay in a close game and and you see just like some blatant stuff just kind of you know, rearing its ugly head. And we're just, I guess at this point, I'm just used to it, but it's kind of at another level. But I'm going to leave that alone because we're going to touch on that later. But I'm sorry, I'd be remiss if I didn't say something on that because it's it's so hard to blow teams out, let alone good teams, you know? But the thing so, is, Raspy, though, and if, if, you're the, if you find yourself as a Raider fan, we're always the ones saying that the referees are costing us games. How come I don't ever hear the Patriots, the Browns, the Giants fans saying that they're the only reason why they're not in the playoffs every year is is there the officiating at some point we're 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 playing into that it, it, it put teams away and don't have it to where one call that the refs can make can change it all i get no. that it's a tough league and and it's hard to blow teams out but when you're the team that's always affected by it and you don't see it throughout the rest of the league with any consistency i still think that the raiders have something to do with that i understand what you're saying too but i'm also hard you know i'm also the guy that never I never do that. I've always said that, that I'm not going to blame a game on the refs and that, you know, there's so many other chances throughout a game to go ahead and dictate and handle that yourself and keep the refs out of it. So I get it if, if you know, there is a large base that just always blaming the refs. I'm not that person. I don't do that. I dissect football on a way deeper level. But this last week was freaking atrocious. But it's hard when you, like I said, just – because it comes down to these tight games, man. And we're, let's face it, we're always in them. But I was just – I had to say something. Like I said, I don't want to get into that right now. We're going to talk about that here in a bit. But I'm not one of these fans that bitches about the refs every week. I don't do that. And you know me, and you know I don't do that. So I get where you're coming because there are a lot of fans that do that on, on for every team that want to bitch about the calls they didn't get. That stuff's going to happen. There was a lot of stuff. It was just blatantly obvious, and it seemed really – Overpoured there at the end. But like I said, moving on to Josh Jacobs and how this man is running the football, man, is just nothing short of amazing. The Earl Campbell reference is huge because you're just not going to tackle this guy by yourself. That's what he is telling the NFL right now. You will not tackle me by yourself. You better bring a convoy. This dude is balling out of his mind right now. I, I don't know. I don't think in his career I've seen a better two-game clip than what he has done in the last, you know, the game against Denver and the game here against the Chiefs, man. I mean, the kid ran for damn near 300 yards in two games with, with three touchdowns. I mean, he just looked phenomenal. I mean, it, he is running like he is just angry, and I love it, man. And not like losing control angry, like a, a controlled chaos type of angry, making the right cuts, making the right moves, showing vision first, just ability to break tackles and make guys look foolish, even when they know it's coming. Man, we cannot <laughs> emphasize enough, and I know Nation feels it has to feel the same way. Josh Jacobs is running like a man possessed right now, man. And, and thank goodness for it because I think he's, you know, not even low-key anymore, maybe low-key last week, but he is establishing an identity for this offense right now. And we, we need to jump on board. I mean, he really is. This is the best – I agree. This is the best football that he's played in his young three-year career. Is it three or four years now? This is the third year, right? 
this is, so this is the fourth year. This, this is, is the, the fourth, fourth year. Yeah, it's the, yeah, the fourth year. So this is the best football of his career so far. You know, previous it was his rookie season, but he's been even more impressive than that this season. He continues to be a top three back by all the metrics from pro football focus. And he's on pace for almost 1,700 yards. 1,666 yards is what he's on pace for right now. And that's with a slow start where we didn't necessarily know what our identity was going to be over the first two, three weeks of the season. And this offensive line again, guys, I mean, just absolutely killing it in the run game right now. You know, there's even some metrics that have come out that shows that the pass blocking hasn't been quite as inefficient and ineffective as a lot of us fans have been trying to label that as as well. But the run game, you know, they're killing it. They're killing it on the ground. The metrics are showing it. The eye test is showing it. And just overall, guys, I feel like this offensive line is growing into being not quite the liability that we all had it labeled as. We all had the offensive line, or at least the majority of us, had the offensive line being the reason why this team, if if this team was not going to live up to the hype, was not going to live up to the promise where we thought they could go, 90% of nation had it in the preseason that it was a foregone conclusion that it had that happened, the offensive line was going to be the reason why. Doesn't look like that's going to be the case. They're actively contributing to playing winning football right now. But Raspy, there was one decision with the offensive line that I wanted to talk to you about that despite how dominant that they were, especially on the ground, and this isn't on the offensive line, it's more a decision as far as coaching that I didn't understand. Raspy, I felt like the offensive line had it completely in check across the board. Even pass protection was holding up. They were doing a pretty good job on Chris Jones. Alex Bars was, I'm not going to say he was, you know, putting him on in, in handcuffs or anything like that or locking him up, but he was holding his own. Chris Jones was not wrecking or ruining the game. He almost did on that roughing the passer that got called back, but that was called back. Raspy, why did they switch it up late in that game where they moved Parham from right guard to left? So basically he was going to be more primarily responsible for Jones. And then they moved Alex Bars from left guard to right guard. I felt like that had a negative impact. That was also the case, I believe, on that two-point conversion, which we're going to touch on later, where we weren't able to get in. I thought that Chris Jones was able to bother Derek Carr more in the second half in terms of pressures. What, how did you feel about that that offensive line switch in the fourth quarter? A, did you feel like it was necessary? And B, did you feel like it was effective? Well, A and B, no and no. I mean, Bars was over there balling. Hart and I were sitting there. We're, we're talking over the phone watching the game. He's like, man, who's this? Bars kid in there, 68 or whatever it was. I was like, I don't know, but he's friggin' balling. Like, I don't know who the hell this kid is or where he came from, but man, he is doing his thing out there. I I said it earlier in the season, and, and Hart kind of hit me with some rebuttal as to, as far as like the movement on our O line and it and and the heart was correct. I mean the Patriots have done this in the past, moving guys around. I just don't think – I think that was a horrible decision. Don't understand why it took place because, as you said, Bars was holding his water and doing really well against Jones. And 
and it seemed like as soon as that happened, it was shortly after that when the sack from him, you know, the one that got called back came and running to that side with Parham trying to, and I don't know if they're thinking that, like, I guess I just don't, I really have no idea because it, Bars was not getting dominated in any way, shape, or form. So I could see if he was getting bullied around and you were like, well, you know, Dylan Parham just is very athletically you know, gifted and we feel like we can plug and play him wherever. So let's push him over to here to help bars and we'll push bars to right. That wasn't what was happening. So I have no clue and I hated it. Absolutely hate it. I hope moving forward that bars stays there at left guard and continues to do what he was doing. And they learn from that and just keep arm right where he was, man. There was no reason to mess with it. And I, I just don't see it. I'm sure they had something that they were seeing that, you know, made them make that decision. But I sure as hell watching the game did not see any reason for any of that switching or shifting going on. And it quite frankly came down to bias, you know. The thing about it that bothers me, Raspy, as much as anything is we've watched sports, you know, NFL, NBA, MLB, hockey, whatever it is, UFC, boxing. We've, we've watched it all. We're fans of it all. I know a lot of you guys out there in Raider Nation share our sentiments with that. And Raspy, it doesn't really matter the sport, right? I mean, any sport that we mention, it all comes down to, especially from a coaching standpoint, you're trying to get your players in the best possible matchups. You're, you're trying to create mismatches in your favor. That's a, so much a part of what, what winning sports is and strategy in sports is. So the thing that's so baffling to me is, why the Raiders took it upon themselves to take a matchup. We, and like you said, we were talking in the first half, and I was really amazed. I remember mentioning it to you more than one um, yeah. more than one occasion. We're rushing directly on Chris Jones at times and doing it well. I mean, he was not – we were running on him, you know, hat on a hat, and it was working. Why do you switch that up later on? And you – Parham is a rookie on a – all pro defensive tackle that's leading the league in, in pass rush win rate over Aaron Donald, that's a bad matchup. So you're purposely creating a bad matchup when Bars is at least a veteran who is handling his business. And, and, and for some people that may want to say that the Raiders are doing that so, so they can get Parham some experience against an all pro guy, that's fine and that's great, but you don't do that in a win-now season. Everything else about this season in the offseason and everything leading up to it said that this is a win-now season. So, Raspy, does it make any sense to sit there and, and purposefully, in a game you had to – you didn't have to win that game, but it would have done so much for the season to win that game. The AFC West championship would have been back on the table. Why did the Raiders – why are they why are they taking it upon themselves to, to create bad mismatches – on their behalf. It doesn't make any sense to me. It makes absolutely zero sense. And you want to go ahead and and get him some run in a game against an all-pro when we're losing the game or we don't have a chance of winning in the second half? By all means, get him in there to deal with the, with the big bad man. This is a game that we were dictating and controlling for a significant amount of time. And then all of a sudden, you, you literally make an in-game adjustment that hadn't been proven to be a weakness yet. I don't understand. It's the same thing with that first freaking drive coming out of the second half in the third quarter for the Chiefs, where all of a sudden we decided we weren't going to 
press anymore. We weren't going to try to put any pressure on him, and we were going to fall back and play some soft-ass coverage. That was not what was getting us there. Now I get it. If the first play or two of the third you know, quarter, you're playing the same defense you played in the first half, and they just start killing you with it. I get adjusting there, but it's like we make adjustments before we need to. Don't be too far ahead of the damn adjustment. If something's working and you're able to exploit that and, like you said, get that matchup game that we were talking about, the strategic chess match that you play, you know, with the brains, I don't understand. It's like it's like they got ahead of themselves trying to make trying to make an adjustment that didn't need to be made. And then it ends up being problematic because once we started to settle back down after that, you know, first drive in the third quarter, outside of an absolute bogus BS play call, you know, or penalty, or the defense played a lot better after that. But by, by that time you had let momentum shift so quickly that same thing with the, you know, referring to this bars and parm shift. Momentum can change so quick. I just don't understand trying to make an adjustment when things were working. I, I don't understand. You don't you adjust when they show that they can actually adjust to what you're doing. Basically, you an adjust you adjust to an adjustment. And they hadn't made one. So and things were working. So don't overthink it and try to get too damn cute. Play within yourself. Stick to what was working. And no, I have no clue. I, I was hard mentioned both of these. Like I said, the whole who's this bars kid? He's balling. And then he was like, well, "Why are they switching Parham over?" Because it wasn't like bars got hurt or something. I mean, it was just a switch they made. So, no idea, man. No idea. And it just to me, Raspy. You know, does that make your quarterback feel more or less comfortable now? All of a right? sudden. We're rolling, we're running, we're throwing. We have a, a big lead in the first half. Oh, okay. Just so you know, now we're going to have the rookie move over and defend their best defensive player that happens to be basically lined up directly in your line of sight. The closest direct path to the quarterback, the, the, the closest, fastest path to, between any two objects is a straight line. And Chris Jones is lined, lined up right in the middle of the defense. So I just don't understand. And, and the thing about it is, Raspy, is that it's not like it's an experiment. Let's see how this player matches up. Let's see what they do. Everybody on paper right away would tell you that a rookie, even a good rookie, a rookie on Chris Jones is the thing that they're going to circle right away as their biggest advantage. We don't even need to see it on the field. Everybody would have said that. Anybody listening to the show right now would have said that. If, if Josh McDaniels or Patrick Graham or anybody asked about a, a, an adjustment like that. No, a rookie on an all-pro, on, on their all-pro is a bad matchup. So they should have known that going in. I don't understand it. And it's this kind of thing that, that makes it everything so baffling about this team raspy because you know you look at the the overall stats from the game and we played the chiefs in their building as as close as you can get yardage was 378 for the raiders 368 for the chiefs passing 223 raiders 265 chiefs you keep mahomes to 265 you'll take that any day of the week and twice on Sundays, rushing 155-103. Yards per play, 6.8 by the Raiders, only 5.3 for the uber-explosive, scary Chiefs offense. The one area where the one stat where it was lopsided, and I think it played directly into it, was 
first downs. The Raiders only had 18. The Chiefs had 29. And, you know, you can't – the Raiders get shut out. They 17 nothing lead early, 20-10 to 10 lead going to halftime. They get shut out in the third quarter, Raspy. You know, that's despite Derek Carr having a pretty solid game. 19 out of 30, 241 yards, two touchdowns. He had a 60-plus QBR, 110-plus quarterback rating. Still was inaccurate a little bit more than what we're used to at times, even including some very inopportune times. But he looks better. He looks more efficient in the pocket. What was your just brief assessment of Derek Carr? I know you're usually hard on him. How would you think he played in this game? I thought he played pretty well, man. I don't, I don't blame this on Carr. I, I don't. Be clean game. I mean, what more can you ask for, man? To uh, to go out there and duel back and forth. Now, is is in that is his inaccuracy still an issue for me? Yes, because I see balls that are like pretty just average run of the mill type balls that things look more difficult than they should. But overall, man, he played a, he played a damn good game. I, I can't really hate on him too much. I mean, he's going to – he's going to – obviously, Derek Carr, and I wish he would do a little less of this, but he's going to call what the coaches call. He's not going to waver much. So, you know, I mean, I don't know. He wasn't the issue. He wasn't the issue this week, so – I didn't feel like him not audibling out of bad calls was the issue this week either. I thought him and McDaniels are pretty locked in and pretty in sync, and I thought that their plan was pretty effective. But Raspy, it, it leads right into the one of the biggest problems that I had in this game, and this is also happens to be one of the biggest problems that I see with this Raiders team this season, and that's the weapons. What was supposed to be the heart and soul, the, the bread and butter – of this football team is supposed to be the the weapons in the passing game flat out. It was supposed to be not just the chemistry with Devonte Adams and obviously how great Devonte Adams is. That was the biggest, that was the biggest selling point, but it was also just as almost just as much Waller and Renfro. It's still such a mixed bag at wide receiver with the wide receiver play right now, Raspy. And I, and I do include Darren Waller with the wide receivers because of the impact that he has Devontae had the three catches for a huge 124 yards, two big touchdowns. He did his thing, you know, didn't make the, the big catch late in, in regulation. I th- Look, some angles look like he actually did catch the ball with this with one hand, and he bobbled it with the other hand. The bottom line is he didn't make it clean enough to where he gave the officials enough opportunity to look at it and with the way that that game was going again because of the way that it was being officiated it was obvious that the the officials were looking for any reason to hand the Chiefs a big play or or to to hamper the Raiders but Adams you know he did he had a good game didn't make the play late but then that comes into and we will get to the the Devontae Adams shove we're going to get to that in a little bit but just trying to handle all the you know all the factors in the game first Renfro, Raspy, Renfro and Waller, man. This is one of the biggest underrated stories of the season for me With when you're talking about what's wrong with this one and four record. Renfro comes back from the concussion situation that he was dealing with, and he 
again, he's just not leaving his fingerprints on these games, guys. Four catches, 25 yards, 6.2 yards per catch. Brain dead route in overtime. Some people are saying it's Adams ran the wrong route. Some people are saying Renfro ran the wrong route. To me, I'm going to put it on Renfro because he has not looked like he knows what he's doing this year at all in this offense. So I'm going to I'm going to lean towards Adams on that. And Darren Waller, Raspy, did not record a single stat in this game, was injured again. Here, here comes this hamstring injury again, was not able to work it out on the sideline with the trainers, was not able to come back into the game. McDaniels was asked about it after the game and was very gave quite honestly a very short answer and said that it was not a significant injury. Read into that whatever you want, guys, but Raspy, it's just you sign Renfro and, and Waller to these contract extensions. I feel like Adams has been almost perfect this year, just short of perfect, but more he's he's lived up to what we've been expecting. He's living up to the contract. What in the world is going on right now with Hunter Renfro and Darren Waller? Oh man. I hate these questions that you ask me that I have no answer to. I have no clue, man. I mean, Renfro looks not only lost out there and confused, he looks slow. Which, I mean, I get looking at him. I mean, he looks like a high school janitor. You know what I mean? But that's not been him. His This guy has some of the quickest feet in the game and was putting pro bowlers on skates last year. He looks slow. He looks... Just out of sorts. I have no no clue what in the hell is going on with Hunter Renfro. It, it's going back to last year. Hardest said it. He's not wrong. You're going back seven, eight, nine games at this point where he just does not look right. I don't know what the hell it is. No idea. Waller, I mean, how do you even analyze what he did on Sunday? Because he was out of the game before the, anything even got started. He had no stat on the sheet nothing so this is not what we expected and quite frankly not what anybody expected not just nation I mean this was I mean we're Hart gave me a stat we're still up in the top well in the top 10 of offensive output and these two have done nothing to help that like literally damn near nothing to help that when when that's the case and you're one and four and two of your top flight guys who you just gave the bag to, which we've alluded to a bunch, aren't even a factor in that, and you're still up there in those offense, those offensive stats, I mean, man, that's a problem, man. I don't know what in the hell is going on with these two, but it is not good. And it seems like every week, no matter what it is, man, I mean, I know Renfro was out for a couple weeks, but he looked disoriented. He looked like he got a concussion he looked like he walked out on the field with a concussion the way he was running around. He had, what, three or four catches for 20-some yards? Sorry, man, that ain't cutting it, bro. We thought you were going to be our Julian Edelman, our Wes Welker in this offense. Where in the hell are you? I don't get it, man. And I'm I'm not going to put that last one on Adams because I know he kind of got checked at the line a little bit. But – Look at his offensive output compared to Renfro's, and you tell me which guy you think was out of position on that one. You know, I'm going to go Renfro all day. 
I have no idea though. I have no clue what the hell's going on. This this stuff is disgusting, dude. It is so frustrating. Could you think if either one of these two guys had even half-assed respectable numbers, man, we're three and two, four and one. Give us something. Waller's the most glaring stat for Waller this year is he dropped three freaking scoring opportunities in one game that we lost by two points. I mean, what are we talking about? He leads the NFL, well, I don't know, after this last week because he didn't even play, but he came into this last week, into the Monday night game, leading the NFL in lost EPA because of drops. The entire league, think of that impact. He has left more points, more impact on the offense, on the field than any other player in the league, Raspy. I mean – I don't even know what to say about some of this stuff. And, and and Renfro, it's right. They mentioned in that game that at one point last season, he had the most third down catch or the second most third down catches in all of football. Where has that been? I mean, it's just been completely missing. When's the last time any of you guys, Raspy included, I'll ask him as well. When's the last time any of us, me included, have said third and Renfro in a positive way? I mean, it's been it's, – I can't even think – it's been sometime – Last season. And and it's so bizarre too, Raspy, because you have Devontae Adams here now, and it's not like Devontae has not been playing up to his potential. So he's getting all the attention away from these guys. So if they were eating before when they were actually the focal points where defenses were worried about Waller and Renfro before, now they're afterthoughts that all this attention is being taken away from them because of Adams, who's still doing it. And they're still their their production has taken several steps back, and I agree with you, Raspy. I'm not trying to be overly critical on Devonte on that catch that they say he didn't. You know, it got overturned. They say he did not make the catch, and uh, late in the in the uh, regulation because that would have we would have been well in Carlson's range at that point. And the way he's kicking the ball, that's probably ball game. And I don't want to be hard on Devonte because he's been every bit of what we've expected and thought he was coming in here. He's been fantastic. Best Raiders receiver since Tim Brown, probably in his prime here. And probably even better than that. But the thing is, it fits this narrative to where he makes that catch clean, even though it wasn't perfectly thrown. He's that guy. If he makes that catch clean, the game is probably over. If Renfro and Waller make plays, if Waller doesn't lead the league and drop EPA, you're right. We probably have one or two more. He's directly was responsible for the, the Titans game alone. So yeah. that's at least one game. So it just fits. I think that this is as big of a problem that the Raiders have all season. Their clutch stars in the passing game on offense are not coming through in the clutch moments. You're not going to get any argument out of me outside of, you know, Devontae doing his thing. And where has Mac Hollins went? We, we we were seriously talking about this kid as like a low-key number one for certain teams. Where the hell is he, you know? I mean, I don't know, man. I don't know what is going on there. And I get it that there's going to be growing veins, man. And there are some bright spots. But, I mean, it's kind of crazy to think, like, what were Carr's stats again? Run his stats by me real quick. Derek Carr, 19 out of – 19 out of 30 for 241 yards, two touchdowns, a 60-plus QBR, 110-plus quarterback rating, and that's raspy in a game where the focal point was on the ground. 
Yeah, and I get it that he threw. Yeah, so he threw, you know, he threw five or whatever to to Josh. He threw four to Hunter. I mean, Devontae still in this game where you think like he had a really huge impact in the game. He did, but he only had seven targets. So I think like somebody else has to show up for this guy. He can't do it by himself, man. And it goes right back to what Hart's talking about. It's just like, man, we thought that this was going to be like, is there going to be enough balls or attempts to go around? And here we are with two of our prolific guys who we just, you know, signed a big time contracts and rewarded these fellas for all their, you know, accolades and hard work. And they can't get anything going? I mean, nothing. This is bad, dude. This is super, super bad. You know, when you're throwing 10 balls out of 30 to your backs, that's not what we thought this was going to look like. And if it was, I mean, if they're, you know, and I, I like going to the backs. But we did only throw the ball 30 times. I mean, go back, you know, in the – previous few games we're throwing at 45 plus or you know 43 plus so I don't know man but the output is just not there from this wide receiver group and just like Hart says we're lumping Waller into there because of what he can do and he should be Kelsey's lumped into their wide receiver group in Kansas City so we gotta figure this out man I have no clue why this looks so bad on, on especially in these two guys' categories, but even Matt Collins, he's got to step up too, man. You know, Devontae can't do it all. I mean, he only got seven targets. He snatched three of those and took it for, you know, buck 20-plus and a couple tutties. So it's got to come from somewhere else too. It does, and I and that kind of sets me up pretty good for where I wanted to go next is because – as good as Devonte has been, it, I just don't understand these weird stretches where we can't get him the ball. He only had one or two catches, I believe, and only a handful of targets in the entire second half. And I don't believe he had any targets in the third quarter. Oh, by the way, we were shut out in the third quarter. And for all we want to say about the the refereeing or you know some of the call the the decisions that were made or drops this or that or you know Hunter Renfro not coming through. It's like you can't really be shut out in a quarter at Arrowhead and really feel good about your chances. You can't go one out of the, out of the four quarters with, with no production and think that you're just going to be a lock to win that game. So that's a big part of it too. you know. And let's talk about Josh McDaniels a little bit, Raspy, because a lot of Raider Nation is down on this guy right now. I saw a lot of people calling for him to be fired. I think that you guys are absolutely smoking something and not the good stuff if you – want this guy fired after just six games uh, or five games. I think that that's stupid. And in fact, I think we're going in the right direction overall. Look, you got the same, some of you same guys that are saying that we should fire McDaniels are the same ones that are saying that we should have kept Bisaccia. Can you guys just remind me what the score was on the, the average score with the two Chiefs games was a year ago? Because I can't remember. I, I vaguely remember something about being 40 and 50, you know, 40 to 14 or whatever it was. It, we, it was, we got smoked last year by the Chiefs. I thought McDaniels had us ready to play Raspy. I thought he had a great game plan again. This is two weeks in a row where I felt like he had a better game plan and caught the opponents on their heels. Haven't been able to say that a lot over the years. 
you know, we had the 17 point lead in the first half. And basically there was a whole lot of good and some bad with Josh McDaniels. But I think that so far, you know, there's a couple play calls and stuff like that. I don't know what's happening in the third quarter. I don't know why we can't put four quarters of, of efficient offense together still. There's still some growing pains. But what was your call on Josh McDaniels in this game? What, what was your feelings on him? I mean, outside of a couple plays, man, I can't even hate on this man. He is showing that he's putting guys in position to be open, to make plays, and to secure the football and to keep us moving forward and sustaining drives. So I'm with you, man. I I do see the upside in his game planning, his ability to to kind of take a team and – like take or take a game and just turn it on its head and literally kind of go at the strength of certain teams because he feels, you know, like he can put together a game plan that can do just that. And let's be honest, man, the Chiefs were giving up like 65 yards a, a game against the run. Do we right. rest for like 170 yards or whatever the hell it was? I mean, it was – we dogged him out, bro. So same with the donkeys. He, he had a – he had a game plan that put us in a position to win the damn game and to win it outright in both of those games. And even with, I'd say, the Arizona game or the Tennessee game, you know, yeah, the Tennessee game was a little different because the first half was just trash. But he's still giving you opportunities to get points, man. And I'm I'm just not – I'm not mad at him right now because at least if nothing else, man, it wasn't like he was sitting on this lead. It seemed like he tried to, you know, to consistently put points on the board. The third quarter went flat. We kind of bucked ourselves on that one, dude, with the way we let that third quarter start out. And it was like, you know, you're playing on the road against – not just any team, man. Let's be honest. It's the Chiefs, man. So you let that crowd get into it, and you, the way your defense played in that on that first drive, you know, after giving up that, I knew giving up that field goal before this before the half ended was going to come back to haunt us. I told Hart in the game. I told him while we were talking. I said that was going to come back to haunt us. I just knew it. That was a Kansas City Chiefs record at home, man. They let a fifty-nine yard banger go through. Because of a penalty, you know, because of a really boneheaded penalty by Teamer, and you, you set them up in order to get points before that half. They don't get those points, man. The whole trajectory of that, you know, the end of that game is completely different. So it's just trying to put it all together, trying to get it all going. It's not as easy as it looks, but at least I can come out of this loss saying, hey, man, we went out there and hung with one of the best teams in the NFL, a team that we, quite frankly, just more than, you know, a lot more than not, we get our, you know, stuff handed to us against. If this is what it's going to look like playing these teams and going head-to-head with good coaches like Andy Reid, then, man, I'm on board. I'm cool with this. Giving us an opportunity to win, I'm okay with this. I'm 100% with you. You know, you saw a coach that was not out of his league on the same field with Andy Reid. In fact, we looked like the better team. We looked like the better coach team. The players just did not make certain plays when it was there. But coaching-wise, I felt like he actually outcoached Andy Reid. Now, there's one big thing, and just real quick, Raspy, because we want to get to the defense and then to 
captain of the week walk the plank. But just real quick, I'd be I would be remiss if we didn't just quickly debate the two point conversion call that he made. This is the one of the hot topics coming out of the game. A lot of Raider Nation was against it. Some other fans like myself liked the call. Raspy, I know that you were a little bit more on the other side. Why don't we just have just a quick minute debate over the two-point call? Tell me why you didn't necessarily love it, and I'll, and I'll give you my, my perspective after that. Well, I'm torn, and the reason I'm torn is because although I like the fact that you're hungry and aggressive and trying to go in and get the lead because you know that ultimately you still have to keep the Chiefs from scoring. So I get, like, taking the lead right there. And I'm not even, like, super mad about it. Um, I guess it kind of correlates to the end of the game, too, where it's like you were willing to run the ball there, you know, at the two, three-yard line to get the two points to take the lead, but you're not willing to run it there at the end of the game with a third and one or a fourth and one. So I don't know. I'm, I'm torn on that. I'm not buying all of it one way or the other. But – I don't know. As far as bottom line, man, you kick the okay. You kick the field goal, or you kick the extra point. Everything happens. Nothing changes in the trajectory of the game. We end up going to overtime. How confident would you feel, or would anybody in nation feel, thinking back of going to overtime against the Chiefs? Do you feel like we're going to go ahead and dominate and just win that game? Do you think that that one point is going to be the reason that we? beat them in overtime i don't our track record says says the opposite so so that's where i understand is that people can say oh you had four some minutes left well you give have a chance to take the lead against a team like this when you're you know quite frankly in the losing column more than you are the winning i i get it in that regard and i like the aggressiveness so I just, I guess I would have, I wish that would have matriculated a little bit towards the end there and been a little more run heavy and going with the hot hand. But as much as you think I might like, like be on that side, that's like totally against us going for the two point. I wasn't, but I also don't want to give them anything. I think, you know, they went for the two point to try to make it a nine point game. We held them, which is something we never do. So I think just from, Track record going back, okay, we held them and allowed it to not be a nine-point game or an eight-point game. Now it's just a seven-point game. Score the touchdown, kick the extra point, go get to work. But, so, yeah, I mean, I'm kind of on the fence. I know I really didn't answer the question because I'm torn about the whole thing. You got, guys that, are, you got guys that are completely against it, guys that are completely for it, and then you got guys like me who are like, yeah, I can see it both ways. You know, I'm trying to be trying to have a clear view here, but it correlate for me, what correlates is the end of it. I think I feel like could have been handled way better. So that's just me. I love the call. I love the call. Even despite I said it, Raspy knows I said it at the time that I that I was this isn't a Monday morning, Tuesday, Wednesday no, morning quarterback. I said it at the time, and this is why I like the mindset. McDaniels clearly came into the game with the with an understanding and a mindset to be aggressive. And I'm 100% with that because that's what it takes. He went for it on that early fourth down and hit him up with the play-action bomb. 
to Devontae Adams for the early touchdown. I thought that that set an early tone, and they clearly had a, a mindset to be aggressive, which is what you have to be at Arrowhead. It did not work on that particular play, but here's the thing about that, too. If you tie the game, you still have to stop the Chiefs at, at the, rest of the, the rest of the way. You can't really allow, unless you allow a field goal and the opportunity to answer in overtime or whatever, but you cannot allow, you have to stop the Chiefs for the rest of the game, and then you still have to score more points if you kick the extra point. If you make the two and go up by one, in theory, you only have to, you put a lot more pressure on the Chiefs and you only have to stop them once, maybe twice, but probably just the once. And for the people out there that are saying that, you know, you're, you're you know, just take your chances in overtime, it's like, what better chance what, – what other scenario where the Raiders have had a better opportunity where you had the ball in your hands with the chance to win late and the Chiefs wouldn't have had a chance to respond? That's exactly the, the scenario that you're hoping for in overtime. You're also banking on a coin flip going your way. Does anybody like our chances if Mahomes wins the toss in overtime? Because I sure don't. Even if you do win – and you get the ball, win the toss, and you get the ball first, our red zone offense says it's probably not going to be a touchdown. It's probably most likely going to be a field goal. You're still giving them a chance to win. So to me, you know, and if and if you tie it up there at the end, does anybody think that the Chiefs are running their conservative uh, run the ball, run the clock out offense at the end like what we got? And furthermore, for all the people saying that, you know, you 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 know you went for two and there was still four minutes to go on the clock. Have you guys ever heard of the four minute offense? Do you guys know what that means? That means that teams have a plan to get the ball back with four minutes to go, and if things go according to their four minute offense, you don't get the ball back. So it's it's just like that. None of that makes any sense to me. They were going, and even with everything that was said, even if you kick the extra point and tie it, you still have to stop the Chiefs again, and you still have to put more points on the board to win, which is exactly the same thing that happened with, when they didn't get it. They still they stopped the Chiefs' offense, which was not aggressive anymore because they had the one point lead, and you got the ball back with the chance to win the game, which is exactly what everybody is hoping for in overtime. Get the win the coin flip and go down and score. Get the ball in overtime and and score to win the game. That's exactly what we had, but we just didn't our clutch offense wasn't clutch again in those yeah. moments. Adams makes the catch or something else breaks. Hunter Renfro doesn't run the, the that last fourth down route blind and doesn't run into Devontae Adams. Could have been a totally different game, man. Well, and I feel you. And that's why I'm not mad at it because, you know, another thing too, which you didn't mention, but kind of did was you take that one, you put them in four down territory. So they're, they're going to play that whole last drive completely different because they got an extra down to do it. So you give yourself a chance to stop them on a fourth down, but it's also giving them a chance to have another down to do it. So like you said, you still had to stop them. If you get that, then they're in four down territory and you at least give your chance, yourself a chance to try to stop that. But in the in you know, in all reality, man, if the Chiefs have, you know, four downs to go get a first down, 
they're going to get it, dude. It would have changed the outcome of the game. There's no doubt. They wouldn't have played it the same way. They weren't playing four-down offense after, you know, we missed that. But if you made them do it, if you would have hit it, you would have made them do it. So it, it, it's, it's, it's tough to say, but I'm not going to question aggressiveness. I'm not going to question, you know, the aggressive play calling against a team who – we quite frankly really needed to be and that we struggle with. So, you know, that's where I'm with hard on this. Cause I, I ain't mad at it, man. You gotta be aggressive. That's, that's how we were in this game. And that's the thing. You can't have it both ways. Like, Oh, you know, don't do that. But yet we went forward on fourth and one early with the play action, took the top off the defense and Adam scored. So it was that aggressiveness that had us in the position we were in. So. And the so last time we the last time we beat the Chiefs was the victory lap game in Arrowhead where Gruden was by far the most aggressive, putting 40 points on the board and still hitting the gas. That was by far the most aggressive that we ever were in the Gruden era. That's what it takes to beat these guys. So, yeah, so that's that's our thoughts on the, the major controversy with the, the two-point play. I think it's getting way more attention. I don't think it factored into the game at all. I really don't. But what did factor into the game, Raspy, was the defense. And this is another area where it's still a mixed bag, but I'm, I'm starting to think that the more we get this mixed bag, the more that it's diminishing returns for me. So every time that we get the same mixed bag, it's a little bit worse. I'm, I'm downgrading the defense every time. It's not, it's, it's a problem for me because you look at the numbers, man. You know, again, we hold Patrick Mahomes to 29 of 43 for two, for two, uh, 292 minus the sacks, it was down to 265. But you gave up four touchdown passes in the game. You know, Crosby and Jones, Max was great all game. I mean, he's the he's been the best defensive player in the season so far. Um, two sacks, leads the league in sacks, leads the league in tackles for loss, leads the league in run defense efficiency. Um, from the, he's amongst the league's leader in pressures, also effective pressures. Chandler Jones, we'd be remiss if we didn't mention that our, our uh, model picked up five effective pressures from Chandler Jones, four of them in the first half where he clearly was playing with a little bit of extra pep in his step, much more reminiscent of the guy we thought we were getting in this free agency situation. But, you know, and also another positive raspy, since we may as well just get all the positives out of the way, because the Raiders defense did do some positives, holding the Chiefs to 10 points in the first half, should have been seven points in the first half. Uh, but that that record tying or record breaking field goal that was a, proven to be a, a, a sort of a backbreaker. But besides that, again, very dominant. We talk about. Identity on offense is the run game. Well, the same thing on the defense. The run defense continues to be something that we can hang our hat on. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire was completely snuffed out of this game. Nine carries for 15 yards. That's just a, a yard point, 1.7 yards per rush. We did let Jarek McKinnon get out a little bit. Eight carries for 53 yards, 6.6 .6 yards per carry. I thought it was some bad tackling on that Raspy. Did, Raspy, didn't it look like to you sometimes that some of our secondary guys like Abram and some other guys, like it was something where they had it, they thought that they could punch the ball out or something like that. Like they were going for the ball on some of those with McKinnon, especially 
instead of bringing him down on the ground or, or, or am I reading too much into that? Is that no, just something that my mind no, playing not, tricks no, on me? Hell, hell no, you're not reading too much into it. That, that one hit Jer- McKinnon's biggest play of the game was there like late in the third or whatever it was, man, or maybe he might've even been in the fourth dude. He broke out and he should have probably had about an eight yard carry that turned into like a 22 yard carry because not only Nate Hobbs who just, Let's be honest, guys. Nate got exposed. The worst game I've seen him play as a Raider. And him and Jonathan Abram were so focused on trying to punch the ball out that they let McKinnon carry them for an extra 10 to 15 yards on that play alone. And that was on a scoring drive where we really needed to stop them. So, yes, there was a lot of that. I think guys get a little enamored with that. I believe me. I'm all about getting that ball out, man. But it should be on your way to a tackle. You punch on your way to a tackle. You don't just try to punch and strip and forget about the fact that the guy's still moving downfield as you're doing this stuff. I mean, it looked pathetic. He carried both of them, and all that neither one, both of them were just trying to rip the ball out. It's like they're running right next to him. Damn tackle, man! I mean, come on. It was like they were running, like they were running side by side down the field, and they were just trying to take the ball out or something. That's exactly what it was. It was (laughs) sickening, dude. It looked like some like Stooges type stuff. You just can't have that. I mean, that hasn't been the tackling issue has not been an issue all year. So I'm not going to read too much into that. That was. Just an unfortunate thing in this game, and I don't think it necessarily cost us the game. But one thing on defense, Raspy, that I, I know you probably agree with this, I think that did factor heavily into this loss and the fact that the Raiders lost this game was there was no plan, apparently, for Travis Kelsey in the red zone, guys. Between the 20s, we handled him. I, he didn't hurt us at all through, from you know between the 20s which is a lot of the way that you – or a lot of the, the area that you worry about. Well, you worry about Kelsey all on the field. So yeah, it doesn't matter does if it's the red zone. He just chunk yards you, like, from between the 20s, too. That's just something he really does. And we didn't let him do that. But we let him – as soon as it got red, we sure let him feast like it was just easy. I mean, it was ridiculous. Abram again. Jonathan Abram again left Travis Kelsey uncovered in the end zone. I don't care if you do that on one play. It's unacceptable, man. He's done this stuff before. You're going to leave Travis Kelsey uncovered? I told you guys last week. Sorry, I'm not trying to come at you guys. (laughs) I feel like that was like super aggressive, my bad. But I said it last week that if Mahomes was a kid and he had a security blankie, his name's Travis Kelsey. So what does a kid do when he gets uncomfortable or, you know, feels some type of way? He goes to his blankie and we just let him do it. I mean, and half the time we weren't even covering him. I mean, it's like, dude, are you, what are we doing? This is the guy you know he's going to go to. And you just left him just wide open, free as a bird, just Leonard Skinner and you into to death. I don't get it. And how bad was it in the red zone, Raspy? I mean, 
We held him in check, seven catches for 25 yards. If I, if you just would have told me that and left everything out, if you were from the future and you just say, look, I've seen, I've already seen the Raiders-Chiefs Monday night game, and the only thing I'm going to tell you is that the Raiders keep Kelsey, um, they hold him to seven catches for 25 yards, I would have been saying, my God, we have a chance to we, – we may have won the game. But the problem is, is that – you know, despite holding him to 3.6 yards per catch, the four touchdowns. Guys, he ran 11 routes in the red zone and scored touchdowns on four of them. I mean, no plan at all. You mentioned Jonathan Abrams. He's learned no no lessons from the debacle a couple of years ago where we could have swept the Chiefs, but he blew his assignment on Kelsey on the final play of that game. And he's just, he looks oblivious in coverage out there, guys. He just is not, he's not getting any better in coverage. I think he's unplayable out there. What he, what he gives you in the pass rush, and there were some nice safety blitzes dialed up in this game by Patrick Graham that were very effective. And Abrams actually had an effective pressure on one of those. But besides that, and the very limited value he gives you in pass rush blitzing and run defense, he's just so unplayable in coverage that it, it just does not make up for it in any way, shape, or form. I don't think he's playable. I don't think you can keep running him back out there in the starting lineup. But what's even more disappointing than that to me, Raspy, you know, we talked about, you mentioned Nate Hobbs. I agree with you. That was the worst game he's played as a pro. You give up five catches for 90 yards to Valdez Scantling, the afterthought, Aaron Rodgers' spare parts that he was willing to just throw away. And you can't have that. But Trayvon Merrick, guys, I know he's dealing with injuries. I know that there's some issues there. He probably hasn't had enough time to really soak in and marinate in this new defense. But they put him on Travis Kelsey one-on-one a lot in those moments. And there was another play that looked almost as bad as what Raspy just laid out for Abram not covering him. Where in another play in the red zone where, you know, he was lined up man on him on the outside and all Kelsey did was run, run an in route and it just completely shook him, just broke inside. He had outside leverage and maybe he was supposed to have help and it wasn't there. I don't know, but all I know is Travis Kelsey is still a Raider killer and even more disturbing again for me, Raspy, is this this kind of brings me to a bigger problem on 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 this defense. Just like we talked about the on offense where the playmakers are not clutch this year, it's a major problem. For me on defense, with Nate Hobbs trending back down to the pack, coming back down to earth just a little bit. Raspi, am I wrong for thinking that the Raiders don't have a standout cover guy that that worries opposing offensive coordinators? A guy that you have to scheme away from, a guy that you have to change what you do on offense to avoid Raspi Raider because we don't want to throw into his window. I just don't feel like the Raiders have any standouts on coverage. And I'm talking not just at the cornerback spot, but I'm also talking safeties and I'm also talking linebackers. There's no way I can argue that. No. We don't. There's nobody that you're game planning for when it comes back to the, the back end of our defense from the three or four back. Nobody. The only I think the only guy in our defense that you're game planning for in any way, shape, or form is Max Crosby. Right. That's it. So behind him, no, there's not. Perryman might be a guy you're a little worried about because he just can 
play all facets really well, but you're not game planning for him. We're talking about, and I know what Hart's talking about, a game-changing, game-breaking, shutdown type dude who you're going to worry about every single play. We don't have that. We don't at all. And there's a lot of teams in the NFL that do. And you know, there's a lot of young guys, man. I mean, look at like Sauce Gardner over there for the Jets, man. That kid's looking like you throw at him, you're going to have a problem. Pastor Tan over there, the donkeys, as much as I hate to say it. You throw it over there, you're going to have a problem. You have guys like that, man. You, you know, Chargers. Yeah, uh, J.C. Horn for the Panthers. I mean, there's there's all kinds of young guys out there, man, you don't want no part of. You know, J.C. Jackson and Asante look, Samuel Jr. in yeah, our division look at as that, well. Look at that Jack Jones kid over in New England. He's a rookie you don't even want to go at right now. We don't have that, and it's a problem. It's a real problem, Raspy, because it, it translates to, you know, here we go again. And, guys, I don't want to be aggressive either, like Raspy just said, but we were the – everybody was so against us when we were one of the only two on the mountaintop in Raider Nation saying that, yeah, we want to run it back with Gus Bradley again. And, every you know, we just got such fierce pushback. Hardly if anybody agreed with us on that. But, guys, I mean, here we go again. Through through five games, the Raiders have the worst quarterback rating against. At, you know, opposing quarterbacks are averaging 106.7 quarterback rating. And when you think of, okay, we've played Mahomes and Herbert. We've played two aliens, fair enough. We've also played Kyler Murray, Ryan Tannehill, and what's left of Russell Wilson on that list too. And they're still collectively averaging 106 quarterback rating. We're 21st in yards allowed, 28th in points per game, second to last in sacks, and 26th in, in, in interceptions. So we have not taken that next step that everybody was just so sure that just getting rid of Bradley was the answer. It hasn't been, okay? And I get that we were bad against the Chiefs with Bradley, but the bottom line is I thought that we were heading in the right direction with Bradley and we were able to rush the quarterback from multiple spots much better with Bradley. So it's just like it's another thing where the offense is top 10 again in most you know, important metrics, including the run this year, which has not been the case. And it's the defense holding everything back again. And guys, pro football focus has this pass rush tier metric and I was just talking to Raspy about this. They have four categories, and they, they're grading your entire pass rush as a whole. They're looking at team sacks, pressure percentage, pass rush win rate, all that kind of stuff, and just as a, as a collective metric to see how good your team pass rush is. They have four categories. Elite front four for the best pass rushes in the game. Aggressive and effective for the tier right below the elite tier. Then you have schemed pressures for the teams that are – not the best talent, not the best pass rush, but they are able to scheme up good pressure through blitz packages, through simulated pressure, stunts, that kind of thing. That's the third category. The worst category is no threat, is what they label it. Even with Max Crosby being the best pass rusher and defensive player in football, the Raiders are still no threat, Raspy. Old worries are – we were worried about this. We were worried about the pass rush up the middle. There's none. You know, we were out in front with a lot of with a lot of these worries, Raspy. I hate to toot our own horn, but we were concerned about this, and we're on wax having said so. Well, I mean, 
sometimes it sucks being right. You know what I mean? It's not as cool as it's cracked up to be. <laughs> you know you know what I mean? It's true though. I mean, it's like I don't understand, man. I don't understand like you can literally be like second you like dead second to last in sacks and you have the sack master on your team right now? What are, what are we doing? What is going on? Getting nothing man? from anybody else. I do not understand. It's like, dude, nobody can help him. It's the same thing with Devontae right now. Devontae and Mad Max are probably having dinner right now saying, man, can anybody else in our group help us out? We're crying out loud. I mean, this is ridiculous. You have two guys that are just flat out doing everything they can do from their position and standing out and getting no help from the, you know, the supporting cast, man, this isn't, this isn't Hollywood, man. You can't have the, you know, best actor in the world, carry the rest of the freaking cast, man. You, these other guys got to show up, man. You're not going to win Academy, you know, Academy Awards or Oscars or whatever the hell they call them. If you don't have a good supporting cast. So, and this has got to change. I don't. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. know either, man. But you're right. You, you can't. This isn't an you know a movie star carrying a cast. You need an ensemble cast here. You need you know four or five legitimate, well-known stars or well-known actors, performers to carry this performance on forward. And we're just not getting it, guys. And Lastly, I know that this is something that we don't really like to spend a whole lot of time on, but before we get to our captain and plank to 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 uh, put a bow on this this episode, we do have to talk on the other elephant in the room. Unfortunately, I hate doing it, but guys, the referee controversies were there. We all saw it. They're, they're harping on the Chris Jones, you know, roughing the passer that got picked up. I told Raspy at the time, after that got picked up, we're not the Raiders will not get another call the rest of the way. And it was somehow even worse than that, Raspy, because we didn't get a call the rest of the way, but it was worse than that because we also not only did we not get a call, we had a lot of phantom calls go against us. So I do understand that the I don't think it was because I don't think we lost because of the referees. And I'm I'm not just saying that because I'm principled and I don't like to blame the refs. I honestly we had the ball to win at the end, even with all that, and we just didn't do it. But Raspy, I do understand the fans, the fans' frustration with how that game was called. It was just too predictable. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm not usually the one to be harping on that too much because I feel like there's other you know opportunities and stuff to win games, and I you just know those are going to happen. We've been Raider fans for far too long. We know that that's the kind of stuff that's just. It's gonna happen, man. But it was it was abs- it was even out of control from what I from what I'm used to. But another one of those elephants is is this Devontae, you know, deal at the end, man. I mean the shove. Yeah, we gotta talk about it a little bit as much as I don't want to either, and that's where I thought you were going. But uh yeah, man, uh, apparently you know, he's been charged with a city ordinance violation at this point. And he's been banned for life from Worlds of Fun uh, Amusement Park. I think he could care less about being banned for life from the amusement park in Kansas City. Joke. Believe me, I've been there. It's not that cool. But uh, 
but it was that's something I feel like we do got to touch on a little bit. I mean, I I look at it like this, man. You got a guy who's super intense, just lost a horrible game, and you've got some field tech who just like literally looked like he tried to get in the way to slow him up and get a great little shot for somebody or something. I don't know what it was. Do I think he should have shoved the man to the ground? Probably not. I get it. But, I mean, man, just get the hell out of the big guy's way as he's trying to leave the stadium after just losing an absolute gut punch of a game. I really, really hope that this doesn't turn into some type of suspension, man. It it makes me nervous. I don't think that he's going to get suspended. I, I think he's going to get a hefty fine if – at worst, he shouldn't have done it, and it's a heat of the moment thing. But then there's that, that there's that other video, there's that other angle where it it looks really like the guy almost did it on purpose. Yeah, there's that other video where it looked like he it looked like he he initiated the contact. I don't know yep. if he was trying to set up a payday. I don't know what it is, and. Whoever this guy is, if he, I, I don't know, he's probably, I don't know, if, you know, if he's a Chiefs fan or if he just works for the league or whatever. Man up, because we all know that you were not concussed. We all know that you should not. This guy goes to the hospital after this. You know what? Look, if some multimillionaire, multimillionaire celebrity, you know, did something to me, I probably would be looking at every every available option to me too. I get it. But it just makes you look so soft. It makes it look set up. And I think at worst, he's just going to get a, a hefty fine. I surely hope that he does not get suspended. To me, that second video clip, that second angle should eliminate any suspension alone where clearly he was not looking to seek out contact. And it wasn't even like he was just walking through and saw the guy there and just didn't want to get out of the way and just decided to shove him to the ground out of the way. The guy kind of came out of nowhere and stepped right into his line of uh, his right into his path and sort of initiated the contact. So he was like, he was like pretty much semi jogging out of there, just trying to get to the locker room to just get, you probably get showered up and get the hell out of there. You know what I mean? What 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 point? What reason do you have to stay in Kansas City at that point when you just got straight up mugged for a win by a point? You just want to get out of there. And he's like jogging off, and this dude like I'm telling you, it almost looks like. And if anybody thinks for a second that we're just like being, you know, I'm saying outsiders listening, that maybe this guy wouldn't have tried to like figure out a good photo op or an opportunity to get into, you know, a player of that caliber's way, you know, you're underestimating people. Yeah, it's, that's, this is the society that we live in nowadays, guys, but I don't think this reflects on Adam's character. This is not who he's been so far in the league. Everybody was surprised by it. And I think that with that other angle, I think that there's a lot more context to it. And I, I just don't think he's going to get suspended. I think this is going to be forgotten about by the time that the bye week is over and he'll pay his fine and um, and we should move on. I agree, man. Just knew we had to at least have a touch on it. It's a sore subject right now. Yeah, it's a big topic of conversation out there league-wide, nationwide. So we did have to address it. Uh, are you ready to address Walk the Plank Captain of the Week? Unfortunately, yes, I am. <laughs> All right, let's get into it. All right. Um, 
So Raspy, uh, this is a real frustrating game. You know, there wasn't a lot of standout poor performances because, you know, the team collectively played very well in a game that so many of us were afraid we'd get embarrassed or blown out on a national stage. So it wasn't as easy as it normally is to put, you know, obvious candidates on the plank after a loss like you would expect. But um, there were candidates that were worthy of being on the plank. Why don't you start us off? Who do you got walking the plank this week? There were there were definitely a couple guys I can think of, but we touched on that earlier as far as the plank, man. And uh, I know that Hart feels some type of way about this, and I do too for the most part. But I am for once – We've been doing this going on three years. Who walks the plank for me this week? The NFL refs. It's time you walk the plank. Wow. Come on, man. I understand. We we don't get the calls. That happens. You know, that's nothing new to me, man. But as I dissected and run this game back, because there was just some things that I saw that I don't think anybody else touched upon. You know, you have these all these get up and first takes talking about all oh, the the Chris Jones hit. Blah, blah, blah. Can, that stuff happens every single week. They were just talking about it the week before on the uh, Grady Jackson sack against Brady. Br the difference is, is Brady always gets those calls. All these big timers, Mahomes, Allen, Rodgers. Yes, Carr doesn't get those calls. So he gets one in a game, and it's just blasphemous, and everybody wants to talk about that and nothing but that. I'm going to tell you right now about a play that happened in this game and that I know Nation knows all about, and they're going to know exactly what I'm getting to, that changed the dynamic of this game. And that was the holding call against Malcolm Kuntz on the field goal that was missed later on in the second half. I mean, give me a break, dude. You know when the last time a defensive holding call has been thrown in an NFL game, it was seven years ago. And uh, guess who it was thrown against? Us as well. Khalil Mack in 2015, dude. It is an absolute joke that that can be called at all. And, and not only does that give them the ball back, they end up going and scoring a touchdown off that to take the lead at that point. So I'm just – I'm not the one to usually bitch about – refs and the play calling because that's going to happen every week, man. But Hart called it and he actually, Hart actually misspoke on his own behalf earlier in the se in the last segment about when the Chris Jones thing happened. He said everything he was going to say too, but he said, watch, the refs are going to be making up for that for the rest of the game. And that's what he forgot to mention to you. And that's exactly what happened because before that, there was three, uh, three penalties against us before that Chris Jones nonsense that they called. How many after that? Eight in the second half, and they were blatant. And not on top of that, I get it. We're gonna we're gonna get the calls. They weren't calling it both ways, folks. I ran back film and watched at least three to four plays alone where Mad Max was getting held, and it was blatant and within about two to three yards of 
numerous referees never got called. Divine Diablo a couple times, Chandler Jones a couple times. I mean, it was absolutely blasphemous, man. On one of the the Travis Kelsey touchdown where he shot across the middle on a slant, on like a short, like four or five yard slant. Divine Diablo got turned completely around and and Max got caught up in it too. It was, I mean, it was just blatant. And there was I understand, man. Hard said it too. These are the darlings of the NFL. I get it, man. They're the ones, you know, Mahomes and the Brady's and the Rodgers. They're the ones that are making the NFL the bag. But when it starts to come down to where it's so blatant, where you're calling it one way in a game that is just like not only a game of inches, but a game of mere points that we're playing, showing up in a primetime game. I've had numerous NFL fans from all different teams, even Denver Donkey fans, telling me that that was the worst ref game that they had probably ever seen with some of the nonsense that was going on. So I'm sorry, man. Sorry to go off on a tirade because you're probably never going to hear me do this again. Maybe because we're Raiders. You know, that's what they do. But this was blasphemous and absolutely unruly and ridiculous. And you know what? It helped in costing us the game. I'm not going to say that it meant everything, but that holding BS on Malcolm Coons, anybody that wants to just go run that, go run that one single playback and you will see that if anybody was getting held on that field goal, it was Malcolm Coons. He was the one who got the flag called on him. I mean, it was just absolutely ridiculous. Just like they want to run back saying, like, Chris Jones, I want to you – know, and the only way it's going to work is if you enable us to run the replay back and see if it was actually, uh, you know, uh, roughing the passer. Well, the same thing goes when it comes down to any scoring play, man. I thought any scoring play would get reviewed, and I get it just not based on penalties. But maybe you should throw that in there, too, because anybody in their freaking right mind to run that field goal back is going to see that Malcolm Koontz got hooked and almost pulled into the lineman, and they call it. Next thing you know, they're scoring a touchdown, and it's the difference in the game. Sorry, I won't. probably won't do it again, but I had to. The refs are walking the freaking plank, man. Absolutely atrocious. Yeah, it was bad. It was bad. That's was the number one topic of conversation. It wasn't who even won the game or not. It was the officiating. So you know that that's bad. I got a plank, Renfro, guys. It's time you walk the plank. I got a plank, Renfro. For all the reasons that we already covered, you know, he's just not showing up. He's one of the biggest problems with this offense right now is that he hasn't, he has not shown up. He and Waller too, but it's, I'll, I'll stick with Renfro, but it goes for Waller too. They have not even entered the chat for the 2022 season yet. They haven't even entered the, the matrix yet. So they've basically have not left any imprint whatsoever on the season where Waller has by leading the league and dropped EPA. So for, for those reasons, and this really could be a season-long thing so far, but it absolutely goes for in the game. Hunter Renfro, third and Renfro is getting planked for me. Can't even argue that one, man. I don't know where this, this man's ability and all his quick twitch went, but he needs to find it and needs to find it ASAP. Yeah, it's... If they want to really turn this thing around, they're going to need Waller and Renfro to enter 
enter the matrix here pretty soon. But uh, there was also some good candidates for captain this week because it was it was a loss, but it was a well-played game in most areas for the Raiders. So we can find some good candidates to be captains this week in a loss. Why don't you send us off here with the, on a good note, Raspy? Who do you have in the captain's chair? I think I might know, but why don't you make it official? Like I said, I got a couple, man, but I'm going my big dog, the man possessed, Josh Jacobs. You listen to your captain, mate. Boy, yep. man, does he look filthy as hell right now. 21 carries for a buck 54, two tutties, averaging 7.3 per rush, five catches for another 30-plus. I mean, he looked like he was running for every good reason you could think to run for, you know, he had everybody and, you know, in his family, he was pulling for, I mean, he was, he was doing it all, man. I mean, this guy looked ridiculous. It, I haven't seen a better, I haven't seen a better rush game put together this season for sure. You know, I know that a lot of people are real high on this kid from Houston, and he, he is filthy, young kid. I think it's Brandon Pierce or something like that. But that, I mean, he's, he's running his balls off. Don't get me wrong. But at prime time, what Josh Jacobs did against the highly touted KC run game, you got to give that kid all the run in the world, man. He is falling out and making us look stupid at this point for not giving him the fifth year option. So gotta love me some Josh Jacobs, man. I mean, it's back-to-back -back weeks, dude. Damn near 300 yards in two weeks. Just running as if he is possessed, man. Big time. You know, his elusiveness, his burst, everything is there and it looks phenomenal. If he can keep this up, man, we can change the dynamic of the season after the bye. He definitely needs to be the catalyst to that. I'll leave it at that. Yeah, and I'll jump on that and go even one step further, and I'll give it to the offensive line as my captain this week. You listen to your captain, mate. You know, ever since Andre James has been put back in the lineup, this run game has just gone from, you know, promising to just a whole nother level. And they're opening up run lanes against, you know, especially the back-to-back the -back weeks, two top five and just about every metric, two top five rushing defenses, two very physical rushing defenses. And they've been opening up these lanes left and right. I mean, everything that Raspy just said about Jacobs is true. And none of that would really be, possible to the to the, at least not to the degree that it is if the offensive line was not opening up holes we've seen what it looks like in the past when the offensive line is not opening up holes like the first half of the season last year and uh, in other seasons and we see what it looks like now and what a difference it makes so from being so heavily scrutinized and doubted and hated on coming into the season I think that the Raiders offensive line has become quietly a pretty nice story through five weeks. That's why they get my captain of the week this week for their run blocking. Hell yeah, man. And I mean, I know I'm on wax. I think you might be too, but I know I'm on wax, not stressing the offensive line as much as, as a lot of people were. I know, and I'm saying like, 
you know, post free agency, a lot of people thought we should have put more money towards that O line. But we also had some statistical facts showing that, like, you know, they, it doesn't have to be all first round talent across your O line, man. It doesn't. There's cohesive, there's schemes, there's just an ability, you know, with good coaching to get more out of guy. I mean, New England has been showing that. And if it starts to show here, don't be surprised. We brought some New England natives over here. You know, that's kind of what, you know, old Mark was doing at this point. We all know that. So got to give it up to these these young bucks, man. I mean, aside from like we spoke about earlier about that switch with Parham and Bars, that was pretty perplexing. I mean, it didn't. It it still didn't seem to matter the fact that we were running the damn ball. So, got to give a lot of love, man, to just this, you know. And that goes to coaching too, man. To our running backs, to our O line coach, to McDaniel's, to everybody in between, along with all these young bucks on the line, doing their damnedest to make things happen and start getting some shove, man. And like Hart alluded to earlier, the pass blocking hasn't been as bad as you might have thought either. It's actually a lot better than you think. So find that identity. It looks like we kind of have, man. Let's let's keep it going, dude. Let's not be low-key with this. Let's go hammer teams and let them know that, hey, man, we're going to run at you. In worst-case scenario, you might be able to slow it down, but if you do, we're going to go over the top of you too. So I feel like it's a work in progress, and, you know, maybe I was delusional or naive to think that it would come together, you know, day one. If this is how it's looking and we can continue to show that, I mean, I think last year what we were like, it was something like seven and two or something in these one possession games. Now we are 0 and four in these one possession games so far this year. You can start changing the dynamic on that and start winning these close games, these one possession games that you're going to quite frankly going to have to win in the NFL. You know, you can, you can start turning the tide, man. So let's keep it pushing, man. But, Got to love what you're seeing from this O-line and the run game and just, you know, moving forward, man, hanging with a real good team in KC. Let's go get some rest. Let's take it easy a little bit, and uh, let's hit the ground running because we're going to have to go on a on a win streak of some sort. I mean, you're going to have to go win. If you don't go win three or four or four or five of these next, you know, five games, man, I don't know when you're – other chances to do it because the schedule is telling you that's a serious possibility. Don't play down, play up. Let's go. Yeah, that's, that's, I agree with all that guys. And that pretty much, I think that pretty much puts a wrap on it here. We're don't want to dive too much into the upcoming schedule just because we're going to do that in our next episode, probably next week or bi-week episode. We'll dive into the upcoming schedule what are the playoff chances looking like? How many of these games coming up do the Raiders have to win? What's the, the magic number that they have to get to to give themselves a chance? We're going to get into all that uh, as we go. Make sure to keep the notifications on, guys, um, just so you don't miss it. I know it's it could be easy to miss because the Raiders aren't on, don't have a game next week, but that doesn't mean that there's not going to be content. Get your questions in. We'll run the questions. We may have an extra question, perhaps. Um, for that episode as well, for Ask Raspy, get your questions in. And guys, just enjoy your time. Enjoy the bye week. 
decompress a little bit, you know, get the Raiders frustrations off the brain for a minute and let's get, you know, recuperated and, and ready to go for this stretch run. Bye week came a little early this year. So got quite a bit of consecutive weeks of football coming after this, um, after this quick bye week. So a lot of season left to go, a lot of things left to play for and a lot of answers that have, you know, that we've let yet to get here on this 2022 version of the Las Vegas Raiders. Raspy, do you have anything else before we sign off, man? No, man. Love y'all. Y'all be good, man. Enjoy uh, a weekend. I know it's tough off a loss, but just, just chill this weekend, you know, kind of, you know, dissect some of these other games and we'll we'll get at you next week we're going to talk some more about it man because next thing you know we'll be right back to playing so love you guys appreciate y'all tuning in man um y'all be good man enjoy your week peace you guys keep it here with us again make sure to remind you and um Enjoy the week The week of football, a rare stress-free week of football just because the Raiders aren't playing. But I know that we won't want too much more time off than that, and we'll be ready to get right back to our Las Vegas Raiders. But until then, for my co-host, Mr. Raspy Raider, this is Raider Hart leaving you until we reconvene next week, guys. And long season left, but one thing we do know for sure is that the Raiders have to start stacking up a whole lot of wins and you have to just win baby. <laughs>